This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Blood Red podcast. I'm Connor Dunn and this is my first time debuting as host and hopefully it goes better today than it did for the youngsters last night. Joining me is full-time correspondent uh, James Pierce, both home and away. How are you, James? Not too bad, thanks, Connor. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. If not a little nervous for doing this. <laughs> and you, Theo Squires, how are you? I'm good, cheers here, giving you a nice early touch. Yeah, exactly. That's how it goes. Um, so, I think we probably best start off by dissecting the Wolves game last night. Um, obviously, a lot's been said about Klopp's team selection and we'll come to on to that a little bit later. But James, what did you make of the game? How did you think they did? How did you think the team played? Uh, well, it wasn't great, was it? I think, um, I, I must admit, I I was surprised he made quite as many changes. I thought I thought there'd be six, seven, maybe eight, but, um, you know, nine changes. And then, you know, obviously, I think what hurt Liverpool a lot in terms of costing the tie was the fact that Lovren went off so early on because I think you know that that then changed the dynamic didn't it in terms of I think suddenly you looked at that back four after what was it six minutes and you thought hang on a minute there's two teenagers there that have never played at this level before you've got a Brazilian midfielder who's never played centre-back before and a a blundering left back who's out of contract in the summer and, and is on the verge of leaving the club and a goalkeeper behind them who hadn't played a game of football for four months so um you know, I think I think Lovren's injury hurt Liverpool. You know, it hurt Liverpool going forward, but it also hurt Liverpool on the night because, um, you know, I, I felt from that point onwards what was always going to be a really, really tricky assignment against a very, you know, decent Wolves team. Uh, you know, I, I think effectively Liverpool's chances of going through went with that. I mean, it was a pretty dour game to watch, wasn't it? It was you know, the first half. Um, I, I find it bizarre actually watching that Wolves seemed strangely reluctant to commit players forward, even though you could see that Liverpool were there for the taking. And, um, and obviously that their opening goal was an absolute gift, you know, a comedy of errors from, from Liverpool. And then you know, Liverpool get themselves back into its second half. But, you know, uh, you know, got to give Ruben Neves credit. It was a fantastic goal to win the game. But... Um, I mean, to, to be honest, Jurgen Klopp's team selection showed where the FA Cup lies in Liverpool's list of priorities, and Liverpool played like it didn't really mean an awful lot to uh, an awful lot to them. Yeah, no, absolutely, Theo. What did you what did you make of the team selection? Do you think it was Klopp disrespecting the cup, or do you think it made total sense? You know, selecting that young side and making that many changes. I think it made sense. Like James has just said, priorities are quite clear there. I wrote a piece about it yesterday, and there was quite a mixed reaction to how much importance the FA Cup should have. Like you're similar age to me, we remember the the Owen final, the Gerrard final. No great memories there, but if Liverpool went go on this season to win some silverware the FA Cup, no matter how good a cup run Liverpool had in it, people are going to forget about it. Um, you look at the squad there, there's a lot of injuries that Liverpool at the moment, especially in defence. So what else could you know, Klopp put out there, really? Um, we've seen Dejan Lovren come off. Like If that had been Virgil van Dijk, there'd be uproar. You look at the rest of the team as well. If it had been the front three, they were all named on the bench as that backup option. So there isn't really much else there you can do. Um, if you go into the rest of the season, would you rather risk your players and go full strength in this sort of game or would you save it get the three points at Brighton after Manchester City I know we saw uh, Manchester City get that was it 7-0 against Rotherham and they put a very strong side out but their squad's capable of doing that they're not having to dive into the youth players as much because even when they've got say Kevin De Bruyne out injured they've got the options there to go for it Liverpool aren't quite at that level yet 
but focus on the Premier League. That's why they've been so successful so far this season. Yeah, you talk about the run there and, you know, maybe a little bit of sacrifice in the FA Cup. Do you think that, James, is what Jurgen Klopp not had in mind and obviously never want to lose a game, but do you think perhaps he felt that this was just, you know, as you said in the past, bigger fish to fry? Yeah, I think so. I think he, you could tell from his words at, at Melwood on Saturday, I think, you know, he, he was quoted as saying that, um, you know, if we were to win the FA Cup, people would go on about, well, you still haven't won the the Premier League. I think he said for 423 yeah. years or whatever it was. It was a bit of an exaggeration, but um, you understood where he was coming from. I think I think that's why it always hurts when you see Liverpool perform that badly um, and, and get knocked out of a competition. I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact they haven't won a trophy since 2012. Klopp hasn't won a trophy at Liverpool. So, you know, it, it, you're not, no, one, no one's suggesting that anyone should be like clapping and saying yeah. fantastic news. Thank God we haven't got the FA Cup to worry about for another year because I would still have much rather Liverpool went through. But I haven't got a problem with the way Klopp played it. Because I think also with the position Liverpool are in now, I think you've got to ask yourself, would if Liverpool won the FA Cup and finished second or third in the league, would would you regard that as a successful season? I think most Liverpool fans would say absolutely not because they're in a, such a fantastic position in the title race. This isn't an ordinary season for Liverpool. You know, they've never been in in such a strong position at this stage of a, of a Premier League season. Um, and I think Klopp was right to do what he did. I think, you know, you, it was just the, the most frustrating thing for me was that so many senior players who have probably been moaning, you know, about their lack of opportunities, absolutely squandered the chance they were given. Um, you know, three young players out there making their debuts. I thought all three could hold their heads high. I mean, Kajana Hoover was was the, you know, the, the massive, massive positive, you know, for a 16-year-old kid to come on and perform that well on, on that kind of stage. I mean, we were, we were talking about it earlier, myself and Theo, and trying to think, you know, when was the last time? I can't think of a 16-year-old kid playing centre-back in a in a game between two Premier League teams, it just doesn't happen. You know, you think back to when Joe Gomez signed for Liverpool and, you know, everyone always expected him to become a centre-back, but it was always, well, you know, you can't play someone that young at centre-back because, you know, they just wouldn't be able to cope with the physicality of it. Yet, you know, he didn't get bullied, so composed on the ball. Um, you know, more difficult for Rafa Camacho and for Curtis Jones to make an impression, but, you know, I, I didn't have any issues at all with their contribution. It was, it was in all the other parts of the pitch where... You know, Naby Keita, again, you know, what, what you hoped would be the, the night where he'd really like stake a claim for more regular involvement. And that didn't happen. You know, Origi, aside from his goal, I thought he was really poor. Sturridge, the same. Shakiri, you know, very rarely that we've seen him, uh, you know, that, you know, have, have so little effect on a game as he did. Um, and, you know, I, th- I thought, you know, probably the only senior player to emerge with any kind of credit was Fabino, um, who I thought when when you think he was in a in a position he's not used to to perform like he did, um, you know I thought he he emerged with some credit, but you know far too others, far too many others looked like they didn't want to be there to be honest. Yeah, I was just going to come on to that actually, and you know, Hoover's come into that centre back position in a totally makeshift defence. He's not like he's coming in alongside Van Dijk and he's got Robertson and Trent either side of him who have established themselves as a, a phenomenal defensive line this year. And what did you make of the youngsters' performance overall? And obviously James has touched upon the fact that they played well, but how how did you find they did, Theo? Yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, James has just said, centre backs don't come through that young. Remember a couple of months ago, we were going, Joey Gomez is doing this at what, 18, 19, 20? And 
that's not normal. Um, you think to other Premier League teams, I know we've debated it in the past, the only other young defender I can think who's done a good job at that age in the last few seasons is Rob Holding. And even then, he's only just got into the Arsenal team this year before injury. Um, whereas Joe Gomez has cemented himself in the first team for Liverpool and for England. And before that injury, he was forming the, probably the best centre-back partnership in the country. So for a 16-year-old to come and do it, um, when he's not even had much under 23 football, I think, never mind first team football, it's crazy. Uh, the back four, you think it's important to remember Camacho, while he had that chance at right back in pre season, he's predominantly a winger. We're not really expecting him to stay at wing back or at right back. I think it was only Steven Gerrard last year who was playing him at wing back, trying to give him a more rounded knowledge of the game. And then Moreno, we know he's not going to be at the club next season. Uh, interesting to see Fabinho doing a job at centre-back. Jurgen Klopp's hinted in the past that that's going to have to be the answer with uh, this defensive crisis. Now, obviously, we'll get into it a bit, but it's going to have to be the answer on the weekend. And I think that could tie in quite nicely for Naby Keita, because you say Liverpool have had to adjust to this 4-2-3-1 formation, partly to suit Fabinho, and it's worked brilliantly for them. But it's probably come at the cost of Naby Keita, because he's had to maybe go on this weird half eight position is that what we're calling it on left midfield but centre midfield at the same time and if you look in the 4-2-3-1 formation the only position he's really playing there is the number 10 position and he's not getting in that team ahead of Firmino so if you're in a 4-3-3 he's got a chance we saw him do so brilliantly against West Ham on the opening day for example in that role but he can't do it as part of a midfield too because you just leave it so short so whilst it was a missed opportunity um there's probably a few stories that will give it as a further opportunity just through force nature going forward for Brighton at the weekend. Yeah, of course. And I think there's two things to dissect from that. And basically the first one is probably the defensive issues, which we'll come on to. But just quickly on Naby Keita, James, he started the game really brightly. And obviously the start of the season against West Ham, he played phenomenally well. And you think he's obviously got flashing. The quality is definitely there. But what do you think it is? Do you think, as Klopp said, it's the rhythm and he takes responsibility for that for him not having played very much? Or what do you think is, is happening? Yeah, I think probably rhythm does come into it. I think he he would probably say, "Well, hang on a minute, you know, I haven't had a, a kind of sustained run of games to to show what I can do." Um, but yeah, the problem is, you know, you, you only really get that from from grasping your chance when it when it comes along. And you know, the reality is that other midfielders have been contributing a lot more than him. I think Theo's right in terms of the way that when Klopp has tweaked the setup, um, you know, the four two three one doesn't really suit him. Um, you know. I, I think I think he could play in the four-two-three-one as one of the two, but it you know it, I don't think you could do that in a big game. I think it would maybe in a in a home game against a, you know limited opposition who are intent on just trying to frustrate you. But um, you know yeah, when he has had those chances on that kind of on the left hand side, almost left of a front three, but not quite as advanced as as, um, as Shakiri on the other side or. Um, yeah, he just hasn't, for, for whatever reason, it just hasn't really happened for him. I think he just looks short of confidence at the moment. Um, he's had he's had he's had issues, hasn't he, with injuries, a number of little setbacks where you know he, he looked like he was just starting to show what he could do, and then you know back out for a, a few weeks. Um, yeah, it's you know I just hope that we do we do see the best of, of Cater in the next few months because you know he you know probably you know, rewind what probably six seven weeks we were talking about how him and Fabino were going to be so important in the second half of the season. And we've seen Fabino really step up um, and start to give Liverpool a, a return on their investment on him. But, you know, for, for a number of reasons, it, it just hasn't happened for Cater so far. 
Yeah, and of course, and I think what Fabinho has massively showed is how versatile he is. Obviously, filling in at centre back last night when he had to um, start the game there, and he's you know we've seen him play centre defensive mid, defensive mid right back at Brazil, and obviously that is the investment. That's what obviously Klopp saw, and he can play superbly well in any of those positions has clearly shown in a young makeshift defence and he still commanded it and sort of played really well. Um, the reason it was a makeshift defence obviously was because Lovren went down five minutes in um, and that leaves Liverpool with extremely limited centre-backs options, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I, wasn't, you know, I wasn't surprised that Klopp was, was pretty short um, with his answers post-match. You could tell he was... Uh, mightily annoyed, I think. Uh, you know, you could see when Lovren went off, he was kind of growling at the medical staff as if to say, you know, what's happened there? Because Lovren hadn't even had time to work up a sweat, had he, before he went down? And um, Klopp said afterwards that, you know, he hadn't complained of any issues, but, you know, he suddenly he'd felt his, his hamstring and it's, you know, it's the worst possible timing. I think it probably backs up Klopp's argument about why he was right to leave out so many frontline players because... You know, Lovren's one of those who's been you know, virtually ever present over the last month because Liverpool had these defensive issues. You know, and he went down after you know so early on. Um, you know, Liverpool are now waiting to discover the extent of that. I think it might be uh, Wednesday before we, we we know for sure. But you know, we're not we're not going to see him. Are we? You know, barring some kind of miraculous recovery, you know, you'd have thought it'd be a couple of weeks at least. Um, and with Gomez and Matip still still a little way away. Um, it is a massive headache for the manager. Um, you know, of course, Virgil van Dijk will, will come back in for the weekend, but you know, it's probably going to be a, a van Dijk-Fabino partnership for that game down at Bournemouth, I'd imagine. I think the only slight chance is that Matip, you know, I think I got the impression that he's ahead of schedule in terms of what they expected him. You know, It was, it was going to be the back end of January initially, the way Klopp was talking last night. He was saying that he's already done a lot of fitness work in the gym. The big thing for Matip is he hasn't done any contact work yet um, because they've been letting the, you know, giving it the most possible time for the bone to heal. Um, so I got the impression that, you know, I think Klopp said it would be one they'll look at again towards the back end of the week. You know, maybe if, um, you know, if, if Matip is able to handle the discomfort, they'll, they'll throw him straight in. But um, I, I think it might depend on you know how long how long Lovren's likely to be out with because you wouldn't want to take any any chances and then suddenly Mat- uh, Matip suffers a recurrence and is out for even longer. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I found some of uh, Klopp's comments about the team selection yesterday quite interesting. I think he was saying uh, the original plan for Lovren was to start him on the bench and then it was only because of injury and illness elsewhere that he ended up starting the game. But he also said before the game that Virgil van Dijk had been left at home because he had a knock. So does that mean Virgil van Dijk was originally down to start the game, which I think most supporters would not have wanted to see? Or is there perhaps another secret defensive solution here that we haven't seen? Um, I think we've known for a few weeks now that if it came to it, Fabinho would play at centre-back. We've seen him play there now. He can do a job there. In the past, we've seen Gino Alnaudum play centre-back. That was a bit not as successful, and that was in a back three. Um, I think one of the papers today suggested Jordan Henderson could potentially do the job. Um, fortunately, Van Dijk, we're expecting him to be back at the weekend, so we're not going to have to see that yet. But if there's another injury in defence, you're going to have to see what was this uh, other option that Jurgen Klopp would have played if uh, that hadn't been for injury and illness. Yeah, it's these magical solutions that he's going to have to come up with, like these kind of the weird and wonderful creations. But he's obviously said quite a few times, Klopp, that unless something really out of the ordinary happens, that it's nothing to do anything in January and it's 
becoming pretty much out of the ordinary now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd still be surprised if um, if if he changed that stance. I think you know if he if he was going to bring a defender in, I think I think he probably would. It would have happened before now because he knew he knew going back a month that he was down to two senior centre halves and you know and even the fifth choice that Liverpool started the season with Nat Phillips, who impressed Klopp massively in pre season. He's been injured as well. Um, you know, I asked Klopp about it, and he said he said it's just not realistic to bring someone in for a short period of time who'd be available, who is at the sufficient level that Liverpool need need someone at. Um, so I think, you know, in the short term, he, he will just go for, a, you know, a makeshift solution, which is most likely to be Fabinho um, and Van Dijk. I mean, it was interesting because he did have, he did have other options last night. You know, it was, you know, bizarre scheduling that Liverpool in the 23s were playing Tottenham at the same time. And, uh, you know, Conor Masterson, you know, Republic of Ireland Youth International was playing for the under-23s with, with George Johnston, both of those 20-year-old centre-backs. Um, you know, Masterson was on, on the bench twice for Klopp last season, including the, the derby at Goodison um, without getting on. But, you know, clearly Klopp doesn't think at the moment they're up to the sufficient level, the fact that he, you know, was happy for them to to uh, to go away with Neil Critchley's squad rather than, than come to Wolves. But... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Kajana Hoover did a job there, but you know, it's absolutely unthinkable. I think that you'd you'd even consider him for for Brighton away on 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 Saturday. Yeah, of course. Well, that's probably the the doom and gloom of last night's game, um, fully discussed. Um, do you think, Theo, that any positives came out of losing? And I know, obviously, no Liverpool fan ever wants to lose, myself included, and you never, as James said, would want to be clapping about it. But it's left them a free weekend the game before they play Bayern Munich. And the reality is City and Tottenham, you expect City to come through against Burnley. You expect Tottenham to come through against Palace in the next round of the FA Cup. They're just going to be playing more games against, well, what is Premier League opposition? You've got the League Cup there as well. I think uh, Burton. Yeah, of course. Is it Chelsea? Um, yeah, I think um, it's been pointed out to us today that Manchester City could potentially have, what is it, 10 games before the next Champions League game. Uh, Liverpool, in comparison, have five. Um Liverpool fans, they want to win the Premier League. I'm sure uh, the Champions League would be a suitable compensation if that didn't happen. But those are the competitions that they're focused on. Those are the ones the fans are up for, the players are up for. Let Manchester City compete for the quadruple. They've spoken about that before. They've got the squad to do that. Um, Liverpool aren't at that stage yet. So let them tie themselves out, go for it on all fronts. They're going to have games coming up thick and fast at the end of the season. We see these midweek games in hand. So it means they're going to be playing catch-up on Liverpool the whole way. Um, and we've seen a few times already this season when Liverpool have been going first, so playing on the Saturday and they've been playing on the, the Sunday or the Monday. And I think it is a slight mental boost there. So if Liverpool have got that advantage over the rest of the season, as well as a bit more energy in the legs from not playing as much football, it can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think because Liverpool now got an 11-day gap between games at the back end of January. And, you know, I think undoubtedly Klopp will take the players away. There'll be a warm weather training camp in, in Tenerife or Lamanga or one of the, you know, two of the places he's taken them to previously. And, you know, that, that will be absolutely invaluable for Klopp when he, when he considers that, you know, he probably, you know, when you compare, contrast that to, to Guardiola, and yeah, Guardiola's got a, a, a deeper squad, but, you know, that is still a precious amount of time. You know, like it's like a... You know, a, a mini pre-season in the season for for Liverpool to have to prepare and recover, 
and and to work on things. You know, Klopp always moans at this time of year the fact that they never have the chance to to work on anything in training because it's just play, recover, and then play again. Um, so that you know that. I, you know, I, I'd still rather Liverpool are in the service. Of course. Right? Liverpool still be in the FA Cup, but there's no point. I don't understand why anyone... You know, and I've seen a lot of angry comments on social media regarding last night, but there's nothing to be gained from, from dwelling on that. Klopp did what he did. He didn't, he didn't do it because, you know, he, he hates the FA Cup or doesn't want to win trophies. He, he did it because, you know, he's got a priority list and he, was, and he, he did what he felt he had to do to maximise Liverpool's chances of winning the Premier League this season and I think you know of, of course if it goes wrong in the title race people will be more than entitled to point back to that and go well you know what a what a stupid thing to do to leave out so many players you know that was a chance of a trophy that, that went up in smoke but you know I, I think after the run Liverpool had in December the position they're in the Premier League it did make it did make sense to do what he did um, and as Theo said, you know, you suddenly look at the schedule over the next, you know, five, six weeks. Liverpool only played five games now between now and that first leg against Bayern on February the 19th. And um, there's also parallels between, you know, that early exit and what happened with Klopp's, when he went Klopp when he won the, the, uh, the Bundesliga for the first time at Dortmund in 2010-11, um, where they, they went out of the, the German Cup really early on. I think it was the second round to a third tier team on, on penalties and um you know, and again, it actually turned out to be a bit of a blessing in disguise for Dortmund because um, they had more time to recover and plan between matches, less midweek games, and ended up winning the title by by seven points. So if if history repeats itself on that front, I don't think anyone will be moaning about one night at Molyneux come May. I'm used to all these grumbles, I suppose, from foreign players, from foreign managers coming here. There's no winter break. Well, Liverpool are going to get now as close to a winter break as they could get by having this gap in games. And the fact that James has just said it's like a pre-season, well, you think of the players who have had such disrupted seasons so far. The obvious example is Adam Lallana, but you can throw Naby Keita in the mix there as well. They're going to get a number of days to work on the training pitch, get the fitness levels up and to really stake a claim because managers... They know more from the players on the training pitch when they're then together. They can do all their systems, exercises, etc. rather than 90 minutes on the pitch. Players there just go through the motions, get the job done. And it's not just the senior players now that have that opportunity there. It's the younger ones too. So say you're going into this Bayern Munich game. We know Virgil van Dijk cannot play in the first leg. If Joe Gomez or Joel Matip is not quite up to scratch, then maybe Conor Masterson wasn't ready to play at Wolves, but he's going to have that or longer period on the training pitch to show maybe he is worth putting on the bench again or Nat Phillips or someone like that. There's all those opportunities there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's all about looking at the bigger picture, isn't it, in terms of the result and in terms of going forward. And as you say, the priority list is the Premier League and that is going to be number one. And I suppose that is starting with Brighton this weekend. It's such an important game for Liverpool and the three points at Brighton, I think, mean more than you would have expected two weeks ago. Um, So... James, what a preview to the game. How are you feeling about it? And what do you think it is going to be the team selection and how do you think it's going to go? Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it definitely has now become a much bigger game than it, than it looked kind of well, probably a, a week ago, really. Um, you know, I, I think you know, mitigating circumstances for the last two results, but you know, there is, there is more pressure now because you know, losing the unbeaten record to City, although I didn't feel as if that game did any real lasting damage to Liverpool's title ambitions because they weren't. I didn't think they were outplayed on the night. I think it was a game of, you know, a, a real high calibre game of fine margins that went against them. 
it's still a defeat that you you know you that it's still difficult to take when you haven't lost all season then after what happened at Wolves again as we've talked about mitigating circumstances with the team that was out there um but another defeat so it and I think Klopp Klopp will have you know he will know that when you leave out that number of players if you then don't win the next game then it becomes a much bigger issue you know the 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 you know the vultures will be be circling um, because they'll say you know how foolish you know if you're gonna you know if you were gonna go and slip up at Brighton why not why, why not play them at at Wolves you know it was a you know, dim, different scenario but you know similar in a way to Brendan Rodgers the, the, you know, the way he dealt with that game away at Real Madrid where he said he felt as if he had to hold players back for the following weekend Premier League game against Chelsea and Liverpool ended up losing both of them and you know that. It certainly does carry extra weight now Saturday because I think Liverpool go to Brighton if they play like they can and beat Brighton, then you know just that that pressure and just that bit of negativity as well that that seeped in over the last week just just completely lifts, doesn't it? Um, you know, team news wise, I think you know at least you know Allison comes back in goal. I thought um, you know Mignolet looks really uncertain um, at, at Wolves. I think you know again you've got to cut him a bit of slack because. Not easy when you haven't played a game of football for four months to suddenly come in, and especially when you're playing behind a back four like that. But you know, Allison, we know has has been a big, big upgrade this season. You know, at least he'll have two fit and fresh fullbacks with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson coming back in. We've talked about the centre halves, obviously Van Dijk and Fabinho. You know, I think that's I wouldn't have any concerns with taking the field with that. And then you know, obviously Henderson, Wijnaldum. Um, It'd be interesting to see what else he does do in midfield because I thought I thought Milner really struggled mm. last night. Um, you know, I thought you could tell again early on that he was going to have to have a big performance there because you know he, he had he had so much ground to cover and you know doing a fair bit of babysitting in terms of the inexperienced players around him. But you know he made a lot of uncharacteristic errors. Um, but you know if Fabinho's in the back four, then then either Milner or Cater are going to have to play at Brighton, you'd imagine, uh, unless he does play with the the 4-2-3-1. But, you know, Shakiri again, wasn't great. You'd, you'd be, you know, one definitely demanding more from him. But, you know, the other positive at the top end of the field is, you know, Salah Firmino only played, what, 15-20 at the end. Sadio Mane rested completely. So you'd like to think Liverpool will, will feel the benefits of that come three o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, it was such a difference when... Firmino and Salah came on. You could just see that Liverpool kept more of possession, were attacking a bit more, played more in the final third. But how do you see Brighton going, Theo? It's one where Liverpool have to get the result. You think this time last week we were talking about going to Manchester City and, oh, Liverpool could build a, what, a 10-point gap here and now that's gone. It's four points. But Liverpool go first this weekend. They're playing on the Saturday. If they get a win, they can make it up to seven points. Uh, Tottenham are in action on the Sunday against Manchester United. And then City host Wolves on the Monday. So while I'm not saying that City are going to get beaten by Wolves and Tottenham are going to throw points away at Manchester United, you never know. We've seen what's happened over the festive period. So it's important that Liverpool go and get the job done, um, even though it's going to be a slightly makeshift defence. Like James, I've got no doubts about Fabinho there. I think he's done a good job in what was a very uh, strange defence against Wolves. So he's going to be fine in the regular one alongside Virgil van Dijk. And we saw Liverpool, what was it, put five past Brighton last year with Emre Chan and Genie Wijnaldum at centre-back. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Brighton are a very different team this year. They're very good at home. Uh, last season, I think they were the worst for conceding from set pieces. This year, not at all. They've really done the homework. And while Liverpool are the best in the league now at scoring from set pieces, 
Um, they should have enough, especially when you've got the fresh energy in Mane's legs. And uh, Salah and Firmino, yeah, they came on, but it was probably going through the motions a little bit, knowing just get through the FA Cup and then focus on Saturday, get the job done in the Premier League. Absolutely. Okay, score predictions then, James, what are you thinking? Uh, God, I think I think Liverpool have too much for them. I think um, I'm expecting a big a big reaction. Uh, I'll go for Liverpool 3-1. And Theo? I'm going to be boring and say 3-1 as well. <laughs> I'm going to go for 3-0 because I don't see them scoring. Um, and I think that just about concludes it from us this week. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll hopefully be back on Friday, Friday. Friday. Yeah. Um, in three days time for you lucky people to listen again as we'll do some more previews Bryce and catch up with the week's news on Liverpool FC and thank you very much have a good week you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo